Hey friends, you're listening to Go Home Baba, You're Drunk, an irreverent media podcast. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Go home Bible if you're drunk. Um, the podcast where we dust off our old ratty Bibles because we read them a lot yeah. and uh, decide to reread them through a lens that is not evangelical Christianity to just, you know, kind of ask ourselves some questions about morality, ethics, how we treat other people, just as an example. Anyway, I'm Tori. I I'm a um, non-white recovering white evangelical, and um, I was homeschooled like K through 12 and have read through the Bible cover to cover over 10 times. So um, yeah, I also dropped out of Bible college, which was weird. I also had sex at Bible college. I need to give this up. I have a co-host who's here who's like listening yeah. to me ramble. I'm like, this is keep going. I'm fascinated. <laughs> like we're just gonna let like, oh, Tori go. About, like I forgot about that. Okay, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, sorry. And I I interrupted your monologue about your sex life in Bible college. Yeah, purity culture doesn't work. Anyway, my co-host is uh, my name is Justin, and I will co-sign that purity culture does not work. I was a seminarian and graduated from seminary, uh, and I was in ministry for 10 years, maybe more, probably more Ooh. than 10 years, and really got a lot of angry letters and nasty calls because I didn't preach purity culture. Uh, but, so, yeah, that was a thing. So, yeah. but, you know, Sometimes. hey, none of my teenagers got pregnant. So, oh, look at you beating the odds. Hmm? <laughs> I mean, they hmm? were ha- they they were having sex. I know that, but you know, still, when you have a youth pastor that's willing to talk to you about condoms, you know, it, mm, it sets you up well. See, see that you see. Come on now, you can't you can't if you talk about condoms and people are going to want to have sex. It's not like based on hundreds of thousands of years of biological evolution and yeah. like just hormones in your body it's condoms turns out condoms and consent is like a better message <laughs> than just don't talk okay. about it or think about it yeah 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 we'd get real far if we had that yeah. um anyway yeah so shout out to bible school and um getting fucked there so yeah yeah, yeah. hooray for bible college and getting laid all right
Yeah. Having like an amazing first time, like look at God. <laughs> That's, it is one way to meet, it is one of many ways to meet God. So we're on it. <laughs> we cracked a case. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, what were we talking about? Um, well, we weren't talking about anything in particular, but I think we had decided to talk about biblical commas. I think that was something that you really wanted to talk about this week. Uh, well, I don't know that I really wanted to talk really. I mean, I had to Google it. I had to Google like, what's his face? I think it's, I think it's Straken. Owen Straken. Straken. Like I had to, I had to Google, like put into the Googles. Hmm. Owen Straken. Yeah. Biblical comma. I tend to call thankfully him. the first thing that came, thankfully the first thing that came up was a piece by Chrissy Stroop <laughs> that was awesome. Nice. <laughs> they quoted they quoted uh, Brad Onishi who is like on our podcast part of our part podcast network and yeah does straight white American Jesus and is just um, generally a very intelligent amazing person but uh, yeah Absolutely. it was it was a mess. It was, yeah. it was a goddamn mess. So can you, can you break down the controversy for us of this? I don't know if it started as a Twitter spat or if it was an article um, about the Bible and inerrancy and commas in the Holy Writ. <laughs> I hate this. Um, so it seems like it started with just this tweet from... Um, whatever this man's name is, Owen something, something. And uh, essentially it was just, it was an argument. It wasn't, it's not, it's not even an argument, right? Cause it's, it's a lie. It's a lie in favor of biblical inerrancy and um, putting forward this idea that, you know, every, every single word in the Bible is literally verbally dictated from God. And we, essentially his argument was, you know, you can't get rid of anything in the Bible, not even a comma, um, because you're trying to improve upon it, which inherently makes it worse. Yes. Like, well, first of all, we did add a bunch of commas and that makes it better in terms of reading it just barely. Yeah. Just barely, just a little bit. Makes it slightly more readable than like Finnegan's Wake. So Yes, yes, exactly. But I mean, also there's like ancient he there, there's there's no punctuation no. in in the languages that the Bible was written, which is why it's so fucking confusing, I think, right? If you have if you think about the fact that you have like these scribes who are copying these texts, right? Some of them literally can't read. They just know how to write and copy. Um, and then you have no punctuation. Um, there's also rain, apparently like things get wet sometimes and, and ink kind of, you know, so mm -hmm. stuff happens, what I'm yeah. saying is shit happens <laughs> and, uh, the Bible doesn't, he, the OG Bible does not have commas. And so I, I guess he's like promoting his book. And so he needed to get in a fight with someone. He ended up getting in a fight with a very incredible rabbi on Twitter, um, and was just intentionally, um, a dick. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it was very, it was, it was the, um, it was the very kind of like patriarchal responses of like, oh, you little girl. Um, and, you know, just, just refusing to, to even engage in like 
basic respect, right? Yeah. For someone who, people who actually like know Hebrew and know history and don't get on Twitter and lie about it. Everybody was like, he's got a PhD. He knows there are no commas in the fucking Bible. Mm-hmm. Right? Like this is, that, 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 that's not the point, right? The point is beyond trying to like sell his own book I think this is very much like more circling the white evangelical wagons, right? It's like mm-hmm. they see every single day that they are losing, um, like they're hemorrhaging at this point, people yeah. and also um, like cultural power, cultural influence. And mm-hmm. um, they're, they're really big mad about that because apparently Jesus wants white dudes to have lots of power over everybody else. So I think the rest of us just need to repent for existing and then just go away forever. For sure. They would love it. If they could just spout off their opinions with no pushback. Cause that's what they are used. We're used to doing forever. What, yes. Yes. They that's could such a good point. Any opinion whatsoever. And everyone would go, Oh, the man of God has spoken. There were commas in the Bible. Can't remove them. And if you yeah. change a comma. Yeah. Um, and, and then when we bring up like, Hey, like they totally added words and to the bible like even as early as or as late as like the 1950s and 60s when they put the word homosexual in there that wasn't in there and like they're like oh wait you're changing the bible like no i'm changing the english version that you grew up with and you're comfortable with because it supports your Mm -hmm. agenda but like Mm -hmm. i'm talking about the actual bible over here and it it doesn't (laughs) and yeah so people get big mad and it's it's just fascinating to see it play out in various places, obviously in the yeah. in the yeah. cultural sphere, in you know respected literature, but also even in these weird little Twitter spats where someone is very much an asshole. Like even like generally just being wrong on Twitter. I'm wrong on Twitter constantly every day. Like, First, not you, of, me. Yeah. I'm still not speaking for you. <laughs> I'm wrong on Twitter every day. Justin am, is wrong on Twitter every yes, day. You guys, he absolutely is. <laughs> I would like to think, though, that I'm not as, I mean, because it felt like intentional dickery, like, inten- yes, like very absolutely. intentional. Mm-hmm. I am trying mm-hmm. to get a rise out of you. I'm trolling yeah. you. And to do what? I don't know. But that's just where, like, a line is crossed. Like, you want to be wrong. You get called out. Even defend your position. Like, fine. But to be an intentional mm-hmm. ass, to demean somebody is right. really weird. But also kind of par for the course with a lot of evangelical white dudes. Well, they don't have, I think that they feel like they don't have anything else, right? Except lashing out at people at this Mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. Right? I I mean, that's that's what I assume, having never been a straight white man in my life. Yeah, I I have a fair bit of experience as a straight white man, being a straight white man. And, Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah. It is, it is, it is a difficult thing. I will admit. It is a thing. <laughs> it's a, yeah. Well, it's a difficult thing to like realize that like everything that you, all of this like birthright stuff that white men get is like at the expense of literally everybody else. Yeah. And like, how do you make that adjustment of like, oh, I'm basically like, I'm up here with God, right? Mm-hmm. You need to respect me. And then going like, oh, no, I'm actually supposed to be down here with everybody else. So, hmm, this sucks. Yeah, buddy, sure does. You all been down in the dirt for like a long time? Is this a new thing? 
follow me and we'll fix it like that's like the next white guy oh my god oh oh yes yes it's like here's here's the here's the last here's what you have to do this is what i did this is how i made millions of dollars and if you person on the internet that i don't know who is black and queer and uh extremely femme presenting if you just do what i did as a white dude like you too will be a multi-millionaire and i care about you because i'm colorblind right capitalism yeah, colorblind capitalism. That's mm-hmm. that's solves all of the problems, which is why the data shows that it solves absolutely none of the fucking problems. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. But so, so yeah, white guy's gonna white guy, and you know sometimes we feel like we got sometimes sometimes you gotta collect them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, no, every day, always gotta collect them. Go, go collect your white men, white men. Please, I'm begging you. This man wrote a book about wokeness. I know. Oh my god, <laughs> I don't even want to say the name, but it's just like, come I, on. I didn't. I didn't. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know what it's called. It's just he's just yeah. he's just mad that people are talking about you know bad things that have happened in the U.S. and not just all the shiny, cool, good things and you know just massive amounts of luck that this country has had. Yes. We've over and over again we've been teetering on the brink for a long time and it's just it is a lot of <laughs> luck really it's so much luck let's get into drinking then let's do that hell yeah what All kind right. of drink what, what drinking game do you have for us today tori um so uh we're talking about daniel and the lions yeah i keep wanting to say that i don't know why i have it in my head as bears maybe that's what our drinking game is going to be that i'm talking <laughs> about daniel and the bears daniel and the three bears <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, yeah. So this is an excellent, excellent question. And I don't actually know what to do. So I'm just going to go with, I'm just going to go with lions bonus points for the number of times that I call the lions bears. Got it. Every time you misrepresent yep. the animal, you miss, you miss <laughs> species, the animal. Oh God. God forgive me. Um, yeah, no, I'm, uh, so if you want to, you can take a drink. I'm currently drinking kombucha and tea because I woke up with a cold. So FML, I guess, since I'm now an old, I can use that again. Um, yeah. So what, what are we learning today, uh, from, from that very strange old book? Yeah. So the strange old book, our book of books really, uh, is going to be, is going to be a Daniel. And Daniel's an interesting story, I find. And again, this is one of those stories that is very much, you know, something that kids see all the time. I drew many a coloring page of Daniel and lions. Yes, yes absolutely. And flannel graphs and whatnot. Uh, so I think Daniel is, again, an iconic story. And yeah. we're going we're to uh-huh. unpack, unpack it a little bit. It's interesting to me. It was written... Or it was it, the to- the story originated during the time of the exile. So let's just talk a little bit about exile for yes. a bit. Uh, there was the time of the kings, where Jerusalem was its own na- or, not Jerusalem, Israel was its own nation for a while, and then a bunch of folks moved in, and they said, "We're going to conquer y'all." And not only we're going to oh, conquer, they, they moved in. Yeah, they, they moved, moved in. in. They moved in. This is this is real real hard settler language. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know, that's okay. Uh, we're here now. Yeah. So, yeah, it turns out that imperial nations, 
behave do this sim- thing in a similar way seems like uh, they have more in common than they don't actually yeah. so so the babylon's move babylon's babylonians moved in and they rather than just conquer everybody they conquer you and then they pick mm-hmm. up large large groups of the population and they move yeah. them all over the place yep. and that is again you know we did this in the united states and mm-hmm. And done, you know, Cult- cultural genocide. That's yeah. that's a thing. Yeah. So, and it's honestly, if you want to control a piece of land and you want to indoctrinate the people, this is a pretty mm-hmm. smart strategy. And yeah, it seems it it worked for them. It worked. So Daniel was part of the wealthy, essentially, of Jerusalem or the area that he was in, and so he was put in, you know, kind of like business school like Babylonian business school. He's getting his MBA in in Babylon. And question. Is, yes. Um was he was he born in Babylon or was no. he was he forced so he he did the, like the the trail of tears business essentially. I believe that, that, that Babylon was, was doing for okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, I kind yeah, of okay. I, I skimmed Daniel <laughs> and I read in detail the Lions Den area, but yeah, I believe that is the case. My, you know, yeah. some, someone on Twitter will remember. That's that, that's that's what I thought. So it's like you're so, I just because this is who I am. Um, yeah, so it's like somebody who's got a shit ton of trauma. That's yeah. who we're talking about right now. Yeah, so a shit ton of trauma. Now Daniel could be a placeholder for multiple people because he is he is part of the reign of three different kings. So King Nebuchadnezzar, <laughs> King, um, yep. you know. Belshazzar, sorry, I'm going to mess up these names. Um, oh, and, yeah. And, yeah. King Dar- and King Darius as well. So he is part yes. of the reign of multiple kings. So whether, Dan- I mean, Daniel the seer was someone who wrote all the kind of weird prophetic parts of the book of Daniel, which is later. Um, the yeah. more narrative parts, it's possible that it's like they're like glomming together a bunch of different stories to tell this kind of like narrative of what it is like to be an exiled people. And, so, mm-hmm. okay. and that's an important thread in books like Esther, Daniel, yeah. and a few other ones. Like, what is it like when you're trying to maintain your culture, but you're also trying to assimilate at the same time, which isn't right. necessarily something I've experienced with, but, you know, there's a yeah. lot of folks that do. Yeah. So this, this is essentially his story. And he does a lot of things. Okay. We'll probably come back to you know, various other parts of this narrative. But what we're going to focus on today is the the part of the lion's den. And this is during the third king, Daniel's third king. Uh, so he's probably an old dude at this point. You were going to say third kings. And I was like, that, I know that's not a book. It's like three, third kings. What's three, three the third king kings. of 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 Daniel's um, long, yeah. illustrious career. And this king as, is a Persian uh, or a Mede, I should say. Well, that. Um, oh, Persian is so much sexier. What is a mead? Yeah, it's like, like a, I mead is delicious to drink. It is, but this is not an M-E-A-D. the meads and the Persians. Why was that a thing? Okay, never mind. I'm yeah. I'm I'm completely hijacking this fucking conversation. Oh, I took, you're fine. I took Don't an edible it. before we started, so I'm gonna blame it on that, even though it has nothing to do with that. Yeah. When in doubt, blame the edible. Facts. Yeah. Um. So. Anyway, so he is he is a part of this king and he's, you know, he's made it up his way up the ranks. And this king is setting up, um, uh, you know, this kind of large bureaucracy of these, you know, overseers and these satraps yeah. and these govern- regional governors. Mm-hmm. And he has basically like three people at the top and Daniel is one of those. So 
Daniel's, you know, Daniel's done well for himself in exile. He is near the top of the food chain, you know, but he still maintains his cultural identity. He still prays to Yahweh for three times a day. And this is kind of a ritual Mm -hmm. he does. He's very much maintained his cultural identity, even though he has been very successful. That's another theme in Daniel. Um, The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is very much mirrored in this story of Daniel and the lion's den. They are wealthy and successful Jewish people that gain a lot of power and then are also in a position where they are envied by people that are not Jewish and screwed over and threatened with death and they miraculously survive and then the mm-hmm. king really likes them for it. I mean, that's that's half theme in Daniel. So, and it's, you know, kind of a theme. And anyway, so in the Bible? a lot of themes in the Bible, a lot of themes in, <laughs> you know, and just, you know, these colonial nations. Empires. Empires. Empires going to empire. So, yeah. So Daniel, he prays many times. And there are these overseers, these, you know, non-Jewish folks, these, you know, Babylonians, these Persians, these people that are, that are, you know, I think see him as a lesser, not race, but a lesser culture, a lesser mm, person mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because of his mm-hmm. origins. Yeah. And like, we, we yeah. need to knock Daniel down a peg here. And so what can we do? And so they start yeah. looking for dirt. I mean, this is like a, it's in some ways kind of like an episode of The Office, you know, obviously, <laughs> obviously higher stakes, but I kind of see Daniel as like the Jim Halpert, you know, like the, the boss likes him a lot. And then like the Dwight Schrute comes along, like, how can we find dirt on this guy? Yes. Um, yes. We don't like him, whatever. So it's kind of like this, it's like this inner office drama. Obviously there's, you know, execution. <laughs> so it's higher stakes, but office drama. This is how I picture it. So they're really looking for dirt on Daniel. They're going through his TPS reports. They're trying to figure out some kind of problem with Daniel and they can't find one. So they figure the only way we're going to get him is if we attack his culture, we attack his religion. If we find a way to make that illegal, then that's how we get him. And so that's what they do. They go to the king. Then they, they butter up the king. They kiss his ass. They say, oh, wouldn't it be great if for 30 days, you know, they only prayed you know, to you, O king, you know, wouldn't that be so wonderful? And the king's, you know, king's like, sure, that, that actually sounds pretty great. Uh, let's go ahead and let's do that. And Daniel does the predictable thing where, you know, he kind of weighs the cost. and is like, no, I'm going to keep praying to, to my God. And, you know, then, you know, this kind of speed up the story. Spoiler alert, surprise. He gets in trouble and the king's like, hey, sorry. You broke the law. I there's not a lot I can do about it, you know, because the law is the law. Law is the law. Law is the law. So law and order, we gotta have it. I know. So I gotta throw you in this den of the lions. You know, like we just gotta jump to that. And but I the hope three bears. It's yeah. Daniel and three bears. Daniel, Daniel the three bears. bears. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast.
If you want to come on, just let us know. Daniel with three <laughs> bears. So, so he gets thrown in this lion's den, and the king is very remorseful. He says, "I hope your god saves you." Bye. And they thanks, they, bud. They throw him in there, and the king's all upset. He gets an upset tummy. He's you know not. He's oh, not poor doing, baby. Poor baby, and he. You know, he rushes out in the morning. He's like, oh, man, I, I really hope Daniel's okay. You know, like, so he checks. And then here's Daniel saying, like, yeah, an angel showed up, closed up these lions' mouths, and we've just been... We've just I'm been... picturing bears in my fucking head. Why am I picturing <laughs> bears? <laughs> Every time. Oh, Every time, like, I'm thinking about it. It's like, yeah, did the bears eat? Okay. So, yeah, that's about three or four drinks, y'all. So Tori cannot remove these bears from her mind. Are they like, are they like Grateful Dead bears? Are they? No, they're big ass grizzly bears. Okay, cool. Yeah. Just trying to paint a picture. So, you know, Daniel and the Grateful Dead bears are just chilling. <laughs> and they had a good yeah, night. Yeah, they had a good night together. And so now the king's like, well, your God's great. And these assholes that set you up, I'm going to kill them. And I'm going to kill their wives and children because it's always the wives and children too. Like, like, I don't know what, you know, and like, that's the, that's the, the end. So they, they get thrown into the lion's den and the lions are so fucking hungry because they didn't get dinner because, you know, Angel closed their mouths and, you know, it says that they, you know, the people were devoured before they even hit the ground. Before they hit the ground. That's a detail that is in the scripture. And then Darius says, your God's great. And we're going to worship him now, even though that didn't happen in Babylon or Persia. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't switch gods. And, and that's, you know, that's the end of that story. And, you know, and then Daniel, the book of Daniel goes into a lot of the weird prophecies of Daniel, which, um, yeah. you know, can, can be quite messianic in nature. And they'd be interesting for us to look at later. But I think we're going to just kind of focus on this particular story and what it has to teach us. Yeah. I mean, it was very like, it was very much like, uh, you know, if you, you know, in Sunday school, it was very much, if you obey God, then, you know, maybe God will save you. There wasn't really a guarantee of like, well, when they throw you to the lions, God will save you. It's like, you need to obey God, even if, even if you're being threatened with lions or bears or alligators um and so that was basically that was basically what it was it was like you need to be willing to die for your faith basically mm-hmm. it was it was like um <clears throat> teaching this weird like martyr dumb obsession um and yeah and then obviously like god god saves daniel so it's like look it's a thing that may, that god can do he probably won't mm-hmm. um but you know he's he's capable of it and you know it's, it's also like god is worthy of dying for just so that you can pray in your window right yeah it's like uh, i'm not gonna you know i'm going to publicly pray so that i can get caught <laughs> um yeah. which is really funny because jesus says not to pray in public but that's whatever um yeah, so that was really what it was, what it, what it, how it was taught to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also like very much in the like Daniel's not a particularly long book, 
um, I, I think it's one of the minor prophets, right? But uh, there's so much, there's just so much story in there. Like, I, like not the non-prophetic stuff yeah. about like the, the clay and whatever and whatever and silver and gold, like that doesn't make any sense to me. But I feel like a lot of the book is actually, um, it's actually really easy to kind of picture what what is going on right there's like these wild ass kings who throw these massive parties and it's just like non-stop debauchery and like then you have all these pure little jewish children who well i mean i guess they weren't really they they were not considered children at the time i assume um who were like brought in right who were like ugh. yeah there's there's yeah, it's it's horrific, right? Like these 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 forced marches, especially through the fucking desert. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god! And they're just like dragged from from their country, forcibly removed and plopped into this place. And then they're like, well, um, like the best like the best people in this group, we're going to take and we're going to turn them into um, administrators, right? Essentially, yeah, people who work for us, people who help take care of the empire <laughs> because like you got to have people who speak the language right like you have to have people who know the culture know what is happening can explain those things to you because that's really kind of important um because it's like you got to be able to keep tabs on where everyone is um sorry i'm like way too into this like empire thing i don't know why um so yeah it was like they were given kind of these important jobs honestly and um yeah it was like like you said shadrach meshach why do we say abednego because it's abednego mm-hmm. help me yeah, i don't know anyway um yeah those, it's the same kind of thing like weren't even their real names most of their babylonian names oh right that's right that's right yeah they were all given i think yeah they're all given different names they, they were all given yeah they're all given new names um which again like colonizers gonna colonize right mm-hmm. um so yeah it, it was just it was a very kind of interesting way to i i, I guess it's like in retrospect it feels really manipulative mm-hmm. at the way that they taught us this story it feels incredibly manipulative um because they all they, they the thing is it's like they knew like god is god is not going to save you if somebody like i don't know puts you in jail for being a christian God's not, God's not going to get you out of that scrape. No. So it's, it's, they knew these things, but they were still kind of trying to use this narrative and this very memorable story, honestly, um, minus which animals were involved, um, to just push this like martyrdom thing on like small children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it just, it feels really deeply like spiritually manipulative to me yeah it and it it is i remember as a kid asking because because yeah daniel i I didn't i don't think i mentioned this when i told the story but you know daniel's not just praying three times a day he's praying like out on his balcony you know yes and you know where people can see Mm-hmm. And facing re- Jerusalem. Fa- yeah, so he's like he's making yeah. this big ritual of it. I don't think it's for show mm-hmm. necessarily, yeah, um, but totally. I think it is a it is a the Bible depicts it as a genuine expression. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking, why wouldn't 
I'm going to ask a Sunday school teacher, like, why, why wouldn't he just pray inside? Like, yeah, for, for a month from, yeah. Why is it that he chose to do it that way? And I don't exactly remember the response that this teacher gave, but I, I could probably guess it was something to do like, well, he was just more committed to the Lord. Right. Or, yeah. And yeah. it just that, yeah, you're, you're trying to train us to think that if we are radical and out there and in people's faces and, you know, getting punched yeah. for the Lord, that somehow that's, that's going to get his attention and that's going to bring miracles to us or something. And right. that didn't happen at all for me. And, you know, maybe I was too practical to ever see a miracle like that, but and and also we have the hindsight to know that Christians were literally fed to lions in ancient Rome. Mm-hmm. And as far as I and know, bears. and bears, you're right. See, that's what that's what the bears came from. And as far as came I from know, Rome. there are not a lot of credible accounts of them being saved from the lions. No. You know? And there's a lot of really rough stories about people getting eaten, but I don't know. Yeah. If, I don't know of too many where people got saved. Yeah. And so I can't imagine the, I mean, obviously the terror of being executed is terrible. The terror of being executed and believing that your God's going to save you mm. and finding out at uh, the wrong moment that nope, God ain't coming. Is, oh, yeah, you know, compounding trauma after trauma after trauma, <laughs> and it, that, right? Yeah, it, um, martyrdom yeah. is not a cool thing, and training no, people to think I, that they yeah. should be martyrs is <sighs> is awful. Yes, yes, it is. It really is. And and I remember being taught too, like, yeah, the trauma piece that you brought up of being taken from his family. I mean, that was kind of touched on, but for the, I mean, honestly, my memories of Sunday school were more on how smart the Babylonians were to do that. <laughs> then Fuck, Justin. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even kidding. Like, and it wasn't like celebrated, like people should do that, but they're like, well, you know, it was actually quite like, a, it was quite a good idea. Like it's effective. Like this is effective. <laughs> and so like, I remember the weight being like on how effective this was and how smart the Babylonians were to do it. Not on how traumatic it is for children and young adults. Children. To be- Yes. And because at the beginning of the story, they probably were you know, teenage boys. I imagine yeah. they were not men yeah. by any yeah. by any standard that we would have today. And like, that's pretty dark, honestly. And, and there's oh, a, God. I, yeah. a lot of the exilic literature that came out of the Jewish exile is dark and it should mm-hmm. be dark. Yeah, you know, like yeah, the whole like I know the plans I have for you says the Lord verse. Like Ooh. that's an that's an exile verse. Like yeah. that is not something. That's not a that's not a graduation gift. That is that is a like I have plans for you and I want to prosper you, but you're going to go through some seventy, eighty, a hundred years of shit before mm-hmm. you get out. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. that's that verse. So there is a lot of dark stuff. The whole psalm about dashing babies heads on the rocks like you know like that's from this period of time yeah you know by the rivers of babylon we hung our we wept and we hung our harps up because you know zion was gone so yeah and that's and that that to me is like these this is a people in trauma and daniel is is trauma literature and i think in some ways like wish fulfillment 
and mm. like it is a it is a we wish we desire this we desire to be recognized for who we are and not compromise who we are and to be seen and that and that's that is a powerful thing whether it happened or not i don't i don't know but and, and i don't even know that that's important but like that the story rose out of this period of time is is right. i think like fascinating and interesting and mm -hmm. unfortunately in imperial white america like that just whoop, right over our heads those layers yeah. we just miss them yeah absolutely yeah there's so much that gets missed right because i think as a black person living in the u.s that yeah like when you think about like you know most people when they think about forest marches they think about the trail of tears and you know the just like of genocide like that's what that is right like that's that's what we call it now it's genocide um i also think about like the just the number of enslaved people who were marched down south right in however long it took and you're literally in chains the entire time you're chained to a bunch of people who also have like families and needs and yeah so like for me that that piece of daniel's story would really that hits close to home of of you know it's like shit like that's not yeah it's dark it's it's really fucking dark and and again like i think that the way that it is used it's kind of weaponized against children right and i'm not i'm not okay with that i'm just not mm -hmm. but the the i will say the crazy ass dreams zone daniel i like those yeah those are pretty cool. Yeah, when, he, when yeah, when he's when he's like doing his mushrooms or whatever the fuck. I guess you can't really write while you're doing mushrooms very well. Mm, yeah. I gotta think about this process. Yeah, but when the whole room is tripping out seeing a hand right on the wall, and Daniel's the sober one that stands up and is like, "Okay, hey, listen, this is what this means, y'all." <laughs> Oh God. I mean, well, that was the thing is like, people were all, people were always kind of like a low level of drunk. Right. It's like, you couldn't drink the water in these big cities. It was all <laughs> contaminated. So you're always yeah. drinking like wine or beer, whatever the thing is, it's in your yeah. vicinity. And there, and there are, you know, psychedelic molds even growing in the bread, you know, that's it's, right. even, yes. even, as, even as late as colonial America, there's a theory about the Salem witch trials that were, that was contaminated bread that made everybody Jesus trip the fuck Christ. out. Like, like that's a theory and it's a valid theory because that happens sometimes. Right, right. And so, yeah, there's, I, I don't know. It's like the mass delusion piece. I'm like, well, you know, they had been getting it on for, it seems like several days at that point, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know, cool. It kind, of, it kind of sounded fun, sort of like angel orgies. Yeah. Like, might've been, might been cool to be there. I don't know. Like. Not safe, but cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely would have wanted to been in a time machine so that I could leave and come back. <laughs> but, you know, spending an evening at like a Babylonian wild party, I could get into that. Right, right. And Daniel's just there hanging out, wallflower. Yeah. Yep, just completely dead ass sober. Yeah. And <laughs> just I, watching you know, everybody fuck and drink yeah. and get high. Yeah. For like days. For days. For days. <laughs> and you know, 
sometimes I wonder if, you know, there wasn't some miraculous interpretation of this handwriting on the wall. I just wonder if Daniel's reading the room being like, everyone's tripping the fuck out. I can tell them anything. Yeah. Like, I can tell them anything. Like, he's like, I fucking wrote this myself. Yeah. yeah. Like, like he's up there writing and they're like, dude, just that handwriting on the wall. You know? Like, that is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel's like the dude that's the sober guy who's the designated driver that's like driving to every single fucking gas station and telling his friends to like bum money. Like, oh man, <laughs> I guess shitty gas mileage. Like, so he's that guy and manipulating the whole kingdom into like downfall and destruction. And, you know, hey, you know, sometimes it pays to be the sober guy in the room. I'm just saying. That's true. That's true. Also, the fuck empires. So yeah. I'm not mad about that part. Yeah. But I'm just saying that the party sounds fucking awesome. Oh, absolutely. Go to the party, destroy the empire, get in your time machine, come back. I love it. I love it. I might, I might reconvert. So who would you get to play Daniel in the movie? So like you said, Daniel's kind of old in this particular story um, and probably much, much younger uh, in terms of when he first arrives in, in Babylon. But um, for me personally, this story, I think that Jonathan Majors would be really incredible as Daniel. I just mm-hmm. kind of like, um, I don't know. He just, he just, he brings so much like sincere emotionality to like his work. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is one of those stories where it's like, so you're, I mean, it's, you're kind of, I mean, you're going to be like, in anguish, right? Trying to figure out like, what the fuck do I do? Do I keep doing this thing that I'm, you know, I've been doing for decades probably at this point, mm-hmm. or do I like change it because I'm afraid of this king um, and I'm afraid of, you know, being eaten. Um, it's like, yeah, that's a really kind of emotionally exhausting mm-hmm. thing. I, yeah. um, I think he could, if, if, if that's how the, if that's, if that's how the movie was framed, like, I think that he would do an incredible job. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and I think, and he has so much range. I, he has so much range. Yes. Like I am impre- very impressed with him as an actor. Uh, I think, I think when he does like the Kang the Conqueror stuff and the multiverse mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. um, in the Marvel movies, like seeing him play a bunch of different characters, I think yeah. would be really fascinating. Uh, yes. I also think okay. that he is a brilliant casting because I want to see evangelicals get mad that he's a black man, but like try they to can't not see be, race. Like, they can't like, see race. Yeah, like, like, like we're going to critique it that he's a black guy, but try not to be racist at the same time. Like watching them stumble over themselves would also be kind of a delight. That would be incredible. Incredible. Um, so yeah. And also let's do a whole Hamilton thing where we cast all people of color. Because uh, mm-hmm. chances are, because they were all people they of color, would have been people of color really? anyway. But um, yeah, yeah. So that would be amazing. Um, and then, like the one like white guy would be like, you know, like in the background, like the token white, like weird Swede mm-hmm. or something that shows up in the oh, Bible movies. There's always like some random <laughs> Swede in Bible movies. It's a fucking Viking. It's yeah. Like, how do you get here? How did you? Where are you come from? <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't know, um, who I would cast. I also, Jonathan Majors is, that's just a good, that's a good casting. I think for an old person with gravitas, you know, like someone like Lawrence Fishburne, 
like Ooh, like, yeah. like old school yeah. Lawrence Fishburne who's like doing his Othello thing like mm-hmm. like I mean he's kind of moved into more of like a comedic like you know old black man stereotypical old black man kind of role right 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 now. yeah but roles he, yeah he has the he has that like power to really pull out that oh like, for sure the that kind of role absolutely so, absolutely um so I think that would be interesting I think even like someone like Anthony Hopkins who is like a yes. like an old person that is a brilliant actor that can do those kind yeah. of emotive moments yeah um, yeah yeah really. but yeah so I, I will say if we can't get Jonathan Majors I'll accept Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> perfect for our movie Got to make a couple of phone calls, but and Oscar Isaacs as King Darius. That's yes, it. yes, love it. Yes. Like seeing him, that Dune trailer with that beard of his, like good God, holy cow! Yes, <laughs> I'm a straight man, and that awoke something in me. So I'm just saying, he's a good, he is a good bearded king. So yes, absolutely. I want to see that. I, I love see, this. I want to see so more much. of that. Uh, yes absolutely sign me up for yeah. all of all of the, all of the things all right excellent i think i think we i think we conquered this story quite well and cast it brilliantly we cast it brilliantly yes also like i don't know is it like as an adult is there anything you take away from it now i don't know other than yeah i can't think of anything really i mean it, it again it's like something that really is it's very easy to picture it's very easy to remember it's a very like emotionally kind of compelling story even if you're like it's just a myth or a fable or just like oral tradition and a bunch of people got kind of shoved together and became this single character um but yeah i mean in terms of like a moral lesson yeah i don't i don't i I don't get there's not one here for me at least (laughs) Yeah, other than empires suck and the people that find a way to retain some semblance of their own culture and identity in an empire are amazing people. Yeah. Like that's really that's really the only thing I can think of that I could take away from the story today. Uh Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. That totally makes sense to me. I like that part for sure. I think it's like I think I don't even think it's like some of it is I'm sure amazingness and some of it is just luck right like yeah. you are a colonized people and you know somebody likes you mm-hmm. that's usually pretty good for you um but yeah like being able to hold on to your traditions that it, that seems really cool to me I mean again I, I wouldn't go to the bears for it but um I would definitely I mean, it's, that part is impressive. It's like, well, I have standards. This is what we're, this is what we're doing. Yeah, we're jumping, <laughs> jumping in a lion's den. Let's do it. Well, where can people find you, Tori? On the line. Um, oh, yeah. Off the line. <laughs> Please find me offline. Yeah. No, don't, don't do that. That's weird. Don't fucking do that. No. Um, yeah. Uh, well, we collectively, as a yeah. podcast can be found at irre- irreverent. Why am I, I'm like, I skipped all the way to the end. I'm like, we're done now. Goodbye. <laughs> done. See ya. Bye. <laughs> go at, go at, go home Bible on Twitter and Instagram. Um, Justin is running both of those things right now and he needs a raise. So if you want to, you can also go to patreon.com slash go home Bible and you can support the show and help us mitigate some of the 
costs of recording when we're not actively fucking around and making dumb jokes. Um, and yeah, I am at Tori Glass on the things. And Justin, what are you? I am Justin D. Gentry on the things. And also on Instagram at justin.gentry. And we are on the line a little too much. And sometimes not at all. You know, we do a lot of the like posting ghost, but then also way too much. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. Big fan of the posting yeah, there's no, ghost. There's no, moderate, there's no moderation here whatsoever. Yeah. There's We're all over the place. So as we all are, I mean, it's still a Panasonic truly. and there's a lot going on. So, so much. Yeah. And we appreciate your time and hanging out with us. And yeah, we'd love to hear uh, from you and on those spaces or in a five-star review or even an email. We do check our email occasionally and we've yeah. been known to respond. That's true. What's our email? Go home Bible at Gmail. <laughs> I started to say it. I was like, mm, go wait, wait, yeah. Go home Bible at gmail.com. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty, pretty straightforward. So yep. anyway. All right. Thanks for listening. Yay. Awesome. All right. Bye. Bye. Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.